Every single one of us has had our lives completely changed over the last few weeks, and yet probably not like the dad we're going to talk to today. His life has really changed, and yet his perseverance, his resilience, and his courage will absolutely inspire you. Becoming better parents, partners, and people, this is the Positively Dad Podcast. Thanks for joining us on Positively Dad. My name's James Shaw. I'm your host. I'm a dad. My wife, Terry, and I are the proud parents of an eight-year-old second grader. Her name is Naomi, and we started Positively Dad over a year ago to be a resource to you. I trust we're doing that. We do two podcast episodes every week. On Monday, we talk to an expert about something that's going to help us grow and get better. And on Thursdays, we talk to a dad about being a dad. And that's what you're listening to today, one of our Dad Talk episodes. And I'm looking forward to today because it's a message I think we need to hear. You know, over the last couple of months, everything's gotten kind of crazy. You know, school's out and, and you might be working from home and, and you might be worried about the health of a loved one or, or yourself even, and, and, and you've got concerns about the economy. There's so much going on. And yet the story we're going to hear today is one of not just battling everything going on with COVID, battling something much bigger. The dad we're going to talk to today, his name is Will Lossell. Will lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he gave up his big corporate job to become a math teacher this year. He was excited about that and looked forward to it. In fact, picked a school in an area that had kids who, well, go through all sorts of challenges. He decided to teach math, 117 students that he worked with, and school year's going great, and then March happens. And in March, with everything going on with COVID, they shut down the school, and so he goes home and he starts working with the kids from home, and then he got some really bad news about a week later. Will has stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He's got cancer. And on top of all the changes that he's going through with teaching, he also has two little boys, a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. And now he's got cancer. And he's not letting it stop him. He's still teaching to his students. In fact, sometimes he's flipping on the laptop and doing it from the hospital room. He's still being a parent to his two boys, a single dad. He just simply won't stop. So today we're going to hear his story. I think you'll be inspired by it. I trust that you'll enjoy it, and I'm very thankful he's decided to share it with us. Will, thanks so much for joining us on Positively Dad. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You got it. Well, I tell you, you have grabbed the attention of the country, and so I, I appreciate you taking time to, to be on with us. And it's, it's been a few months that probably you wish it wasn't. And, um, and yet I thank you for sharing your story. So first, just tell everybody a little bit about you, and then we'll dive into what you've been experiencing. Sure. Um, so I'm 42 years old. I'm a single dad. I'm an eighth grade math teacher. This is my first year teaching. Originally from Brooklyn, New York, moved out to Charlotte, North Carolina about nine years ago. Uh, I have two boys, 10 and seven years old. Um, and now I have stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which I was diagnosed with about a month and a half ago, a little less so, than a month and a half ago. So it's been a, um, not just even a wild year, it's been a wild <laughs> couple of months. And yeah. uh, first of all, uh, how are you doing? Uh, I feel relatively well. I start my second cycle of chemo next week. Uh, it's, four, it's a four-day treatment. It's a more aggressive treatment. So they go 96 consecutive hours of chemo instead of going in for a day and getting a couple hours. They give it to me over the course of four straight days. 
um, and they increase the dosage each time. So they're increasing it now by 20%. So uh, I feel pretty good now. Don't expect to feel quite as good after the second cycle and um, you know, it'll go down from there, but yeah, but right now I feel okay. Okay, good. Um, so your story is really interesting because you had decided to become a teacher. This was not what you had done. So what did you do before and you decided to become a teacher? Tell me real quick kind of about that journey. Uh, I was in cable television and um, telecom for 17 years. I worked with Game Show Network, Bloomberg Television, uh, INSP, Time Warner Cable, Windstream. So that was my career. Uh, I was in sales and marketing. Uh, and then at the end, uh, consumer marketing, like digital marketing. Um, and I loved it. It was really fun and it was great. It you know, paid really well. I made great contacts. It was great, great jobs. And then when I got to around 35, uh, my second son was, was born. He was about two. Uh, nobody in my family had ever gone to college. My ex-wife was the first one in her family to go to college. So I felt it was important for me to go and set an example. So I enrolled uh, in the local CPCC to get my associates, um, community college, then enrolled at UNC and got my degree. And during that time period, I uh, decided that, you know, I was about to turn 40. And I look back and I said, I had a great career, which is great for my personal family, but didn't really do anything meaningful um, and decided I wanted to do that. So I took about a year transition uh, to figure out what to do. Uh, and I found Teach for America eventually, which uh, led me to teaching. So, so it, it just so ticked you, off the bottom. Yeah. So you're teaching uh, in Charlotte, what grade? Eighth grade. Math. Eighth grade math. Yeah. So you're, you're teaching eighth grade math at your first year. And uh, I imagine the kids love you and you're having a great time and doing all this stuff. And then I, I'm not, I don't know exactly when did Mecklenburg County shut down school? Uh, it was like March around March, middle of March toward the end of March, which is okay. uh, a week. So they, we shut down on a Monday. I think it was around like the 15th or 16th. And then it was that next Monday when I went to the ER and got diagnosed with cancer. So it all right. coincided. So so school shuts down and you guys are making that transition. And then a week later you find out you've got cancer. Yeah. That's one hell of a week. <laughs> it was, it was a pretty crazy week. Yeah. Um, although at the time when I thought it was just thyroid cancer, which is still cancer, but it's a 98% survival rate. They go in, they take out your thyroid, you take hormones and then you're done. Um, it, as they did more tests, they found that it was a blood cancer and then it was worse. And um, they, you know, they went from a stage two to a three to a four you know, they, and, uh, you know, to where I am now. So, but, um, but, you know, but yeah, it's, it's all coincided. It's all happening as COVID happened, as the state shut down. So, I mean, the whole world has been chaotic right now and everybody's kind of going through a lot. And sometimes I look around and I feel like I'm almost isolated from everything that's going on. And I feel almost like I'm in a bubble, like the lucky one, because, you know, 1 million, you know, I think they had 20 million people have lost their jobs in this country. And like, that means lost their healthcare, you know, could lose where they live. You know, these are immediate things that like, you know, if you can't pay your rent, you can't afford food or electricity. These are immediate problems that you have to figure out and solve. Whereas my thing, I'm a passenger. My doctors tell me what the best course of action is and then they do it. And that's it. So, I mean, for me, it's in a lot of ways easier mm -hmm. because I'm not forced to make these, these life-changing decisions all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I almost, I almost feel like I escaped it somehow. Like, you know, I, 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 I struggle to understand the concept of you've escaped while you're battling stage four cancer. So your, your attitude <clears throat> is one that will, I imagine is helping you right now. And I, I think the thing that 
that has really grabbed the nation's attention and what's had you in parents and it's had you in people and you're on news all over the place. You're doing national news stories now. The stuff that's grabbing the attention of the, of the world is that you're still teaching your kids and sometimes you're doing this from a hospital room and all that kind of stuff. And I know you talked about it a lot and I, I do want to talk about it a little bit here and then I want to talk about how you're being a dad through this too that's what we are. We're a podcast for dads. And yet talk about how you're helping your kids right now and how you're able to do all of that. Your, when I say your kids, I mean your students. How you're able to do all that for your students while battling all of this. I mean, I'll be honest. I feel like I get at least as much out of it as the kids do. You know, like I said, I do 96 straight hours of chemo. So I'm just in a hospital room attached to a thing that puts medicine in me. And, you know, uh, I love getting on and, you know, opening the laptop or the iPad and like doing Zoom chats with the kids and, you know, because they make me laugh, they make me cry, um, you know, giving feedback on assignments I like because I invested so much time into it. Like we invested five months of work in the classroom. And so I like seeing their work and seeing where they are and being able to kind of help. But, you know, besides passing the time, it makes me feel like I did something valuable with my time instead of just sitting on a bed watching Netflix or being asleep. So it's been important for me and I wouldn't have been able to do it had we have not, you know, had the shutdown and, and, and everything we have. So again, in a way I feel lucky because if we were in a classroom right now, I wouldn't be able to teach. I wouldn't be able to be in the classroom. Um, although I don't like saying I feel lucky. I don't feel lucky with the virus. The virus and what's happened is, is tragic and terrible. But me personally, I, in that sense, I've been able to continue teaching and I'm very grateful for that opportunity. And my, my school and principal have been so supportive. So they know like when I can't do it, you know, they, they take it up and they, they handle it. Um, but, but the kids every day just make me smile. The, the kids yeah. make me smile and cry and it's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's talk about you as a dad. First, thanks for teaching those kids there. Everybody's going through heck and for you to be able to keep going for them is really cool. And for you to be able to adapt. Now you have a seven year old and a 10 year old, right? Yep. And you're a single uh, dad. Yes. Single dad. So are they with you most of the time? They go back and forth? Yeah, we have 50-50 uh, custody. So okay. they do a week with me, a week with uh, my ex-wife. Although now that I've been sick, I have to, on top of the chemo every three weeks, uh, each week I, when I'm not in chemo, I have to go to the doctors on Monday and Thursday for blood, um, blood work. So it's been a little bit less balanced now. Um, my ex-wife has done a really good job of picking up the slack in terms of you know, helping to keep a little consistency with them um, and allowing them to spend time like the spring breaks and, you know, uh, a lot of that time here, like when I'm, when I'm healthy. Uh, so we've had to change weeks a lot, which is difficult for the kids. Um, but because I'm a teacher and I don't teach in the summer, I'm also able to balance that in their minds by saying, well, summer's coming and you'll be able to spend kind of a disproportionate amount of time with me because, you know, your mom works. So that's kind of, our way of balancing it for them. Like, okay, you're going to spend a little more time with mom now. Cause then they think it's, you know, they, they want to be here and they feel it's not fair. Oh, you know? So I say, okay, in the summer, we're going to make up all those days. You know, I tell them we keep track of the days and you know, we'll, we'll make back all those days and that makes me feel better. So are they aware as to what you're going through? My seven year old doesn't really get, get it. You know, he just kind of goes with the flow. My 10 year old um, does. I recently just last week, used the word cancer, which I hadn't used before I told them I had this thing on my neck that makes me really tired and we're going to get it out. And that made a lot of sense when it was thyroid cancer and they would literally let me do that. Um, I've had to kind of, as it's gotten more serious, I've had to tell them a little bit more each time. So now I told them that I have 
cancer, but I explained that there's a lot of different types of cancer. I said, it's like saying games, you know, Cam Newton plays NFL football for hundreds of millions of dollars on Sundays, you play video games in your room. They're both games. So I said, when you hear cancer, a lot of people talk about really serious, you know, cancer that people die from. And then you have cancer like I have now in reality, my cancer is a lot more serious, but, um, in an effort not to worry him so he's okay with it I had to say it too because now that I've been on the news and I've you know his teachers see it and I didn't want to risk anybody saying it and saying oh my grandpa died of cancer and him getting scared so I wanted to, to bring it out first so he's aware um doesn't know it's a serious knows the medicine is really strong and that it could affect me and I could lose my hair and like different things could happen so he's kind of prepared for it um but yeah he's he, he doesn't know the seriousness so what's that like to have to sit down with your kids and tell them what's going on and what's next and what's happening? My, my 10 year old is very perceptive. Um, we have a deep emotional connection too. like, we've always just kind of had, we, we think similar. He's, he's also very, um, um, he, he's very caring and, I wouldn't be able to, it, it would be a lot harder for me to lie to him about it. It would be a lot harder for me to not tell him. Um, he knows when I'm feeling wrong. Like if he says, Oh, something wrong. And I say, no, everything's fine. You know, he can look at me and say, you know, something wrong, dad. And I've, I've, I've learned how to like, you know, share with them without oversharing, you know, so sometimes like, you know, when, um, when I was, I spent a year learning, figuring out what I was going to do. So I wasn't working at that time and money was real tight. Sometimes he could see it in my face. And I'll just say, you know, just, you know, just figuring out, you know, dad money stuff, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not awesome. So I do kind of the same thing with, with this. So when I'm not feeling well, I could tell him, you know, if I try to hide it, it'll be harder. So me saying right now, the medicine is just, you know, the, I tell him that like, when I feel tired, that's because my body is actively fighting the, you know, the thing in my neck and my, the medicine's really working overtime. So I could tell him, yeah, I just need a little break. Um, I just need to lay down for a little while and he gets it. So what has the last, what, two months now that you've been facing this, what has it taught you? Um, <clears throat> I would say that I said, that I, well, okay, here's a couple of things I've, I've, I've learned. Uh, one thing is my parents both died fairly young. My mom was 49. My dad was 56. Um, so I never, you know, I don't have this idea that I'm going to be 80 or 90 years old. Um, my family just my family's been ravaged with cancer um but i've had to look back and think that like in case this is it like in case like i don't make it much past the summer or past next year i've had to look back on life and one thing i was very relieved to find was that i didn't regret life i feel very fulfilled with my life i feel like i've lived 40 almost 43 really wonderful years and had a lot of experiences and I don't have any regrets on it. My, my reason for, I mean, I want to stay alive because I want more experiences and, you know, and because I want, my, I want to live my kids' experiences. So I, but like on my own personal life, I've looked back and been able to say, I'm very happy with my choices. Um, even, even the divorce, which was very difficult for me. I mean, we were together for 18 years and love of my life. And, but like, you know, I love being a teacher and I feel like that's what I'm, what I am and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I stayed in a marriage. So I've been able to kind of look back and say everything worked out really well. So it helps me trust my decision-making. Um, and so like when I go into this cancer, it's, it's helped me 
maintain a positive outlook because I feel like, okay, the decisions I've made have worked and, you know, I have a lot of confidence in the doctors and, and everything like that. So I think that's the main thing is just looking back and saying, I lived a really great life. I'm very happy with where I is. I want to live, you know, another 43 years and build more memories, but it gives me a lot of confidence to just trust, trust what I've been doing. So how much has the decision to get into teaching to leave the career that you had and jump into teaching, how much has that impacted your mindset right now as feeling like you are living your mission? Uh, again, very, very fortunate. Um, you know, I, I'm making about a third of what I made before, um, but I've never felt more fulfilled. Uh, I, I would, you know, what I did was great because it helped my family. You know, my, my, my ex-wife has a great house for the kids. I have a great house for my kids you know, um, and those things are very important. So while I like to say I would have made the decision at 20 to teach for $38,000 a year, I don't know if I would have or whether, you know, but like, I'm very happy that I made the transition. And like, if, if the cancer gets me and I'm, you know, I'm not here, like, I'm glad that I would die a teacher. Um, but again, I, you know, it gives me a lot of motivation to keep going because I want to teach for a lot of years. It's, it's, you know, I want to get good at it. I'm, I've been teaching for six months. You know, I'm not very good at it yet, but you know, that's, that's, by the way, that's the craziest thing about all these interviews about me being a teacher. I say it in every interview, but nobody ever puts it in, but like, I'm not a very good teacher. So I keep getting celebrated for being a teacher, but I've been teaching for five months. It will be an insult to the profession, to the profession for me to walk in after 17 years of corporate America and become a good teacher overnight. Like I'm not, I rely on the great teachers that are teaching around me to help, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm an adequate teacher. Um, but yeah, it's the decision was, was one of the best decisions I've, I've made. Definitely the best decision I made professionally. Um, and nothing I'd rather be doing. It's just, it's awesome. Well, it's a, you know, I always talk, I love talking to people who've said, you know what, we are going to go after a, a dream. We're going to go after something and, and then sacrifice to do it. And you've done that. Um, what have you learned from your students through this? <laughs> There's, um, so I teach at a title one school and can you the tell our listeners what that means? Because they may not understand what that means. Sure. So it's a school that receives uh, money from the government because it's, you know, it's poorly funded. It's usually in an area of uh, where low, low economic families and um, usually high minority groups. And, um, and it can get cast by other people at other schools. Like I had, I had a, another teacher. Uh, earlier in the year say oh you teach at you know Albemarle Road Middle that's where all the bad kids are and I was like I teach 117 kids and none of them are bad like at all like I have kids who have really difficult upbringings and continue I have, I have kids who eat from the cafeteria for breakfast and lunch and then that's it until the next breakfast and you know and then you know they're cited for behavioral problems later in the day well you know wouldn't you you know, if you didn't eat from lunch until the next breakfast, and some of, the, some of their lunches are second block, which means they eat breakfast at 8 o'clock in the morning and then lunch at 10 in the morning, and then they don't eat for the day. That's not the kid's fault. You know, of course the kid's going to act that. I have kids who, you know, I, won't, I can't get into their personal, but I, I have kids that have just the most egregious backgrounds. And understanding that and, like, going in with the understanding of that, like, I was prepared for it, but then when you actually see the faces – and you see them acting out in class and then you learn some of what they're going through. It just makes you look at everything so much differently. So from the kids, I've just learned their resiliency. Like I, I, I learned some of these stories and I'm like, 
and you're coming to school? Like, it's amazing that you're here. Forget about like trying to learn exponents. Like you're here. Like, I think that's amazing. I have like 117 kids that I consider like heroes. Like, you know, and, and like just the fact that they're there every day and it's, you know, they want to learn. Nobody wants to fail, but you know, they're used to being let down. And you know, if they, if they try and they fail, it's harder for them emotionally. So a lot of times they'll stop trying. So then they have an excuse to fail. And so it's like, it's a challenge, like trying to break through with these kids individually and like not look at them as 117 numbers, but like individual kids. And so, I, I mean, I learn from them every single day and just, you know, and then the high performing ones, the ones that are there every day and they're, they're trying and they're, you know, they're doing extra work and they're coming to me, you know, I didn't understand this is there somewhere extra I could practice. Like those things are amazing to me because I wasn't like that as a kid. So I'm like, how are you like that at your age? That's, that's mind blowing. It's remarkable. So I don't know. I, I just admire the kids so much and I'm, you know, I can't believe that I get to have 117 new ones next year. It's, it's awesome. Is their perseverance and their resilience something that's motivating you to be the same? You know, um, I've thought about that a few times. Like when I, when I think about like when people would say like how bad it is I have cancer, I think it's of some of the personal stories that I've learned with their backgrounds. And I think, man, like I, like my background, I, I used to think my background was difficult. And I'm like, my background was cake compared to, to some of what they're going through. So I look at what I'm going through. I'm like, if I got to go 43 years before having cancer, you know, and they're, they're 13 and they've endured a lifetime of, 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 yeah, I mean, for sure. Not, not just that. If I look at them and I'm, you know, I don't think my resiliency compares at all to, to the resiliency they have. Uh, not one bit, you know, I, there's is there's is truly remarkable. Um, you know, for me, you know, I don't have a choice. It's just what it is, you know, but I have, I have a good job. I have healthcare. I have support, you know, that's important. Like some of these kids are just alone. Like I couldn't imagine not having anybody to trust. Hmm. So what is the advice you'd want to give to dads or dads who are listening um, just based on your last two months and even your last year? Um, if you were going to make a plea to dads, what is it? Just, I mean, and I think most dads do, but like appreciate the time with your kids. You just never know when that moment that they're going to remember years later is going to come. And, you know, it's, I think I spent a lot of time after the divorce or not a lot of time. I spent some time after the divorce trying to do big, memorable things. Let's go to a big place. You remember Let's go to Carolyn's amusement park. And most of our greatest memories came from playing a board game. Or remember that funny thing you said when we were outside, you know, going to the car. Um, so just really being present in the moment. I'm a big phone and computer and technology guy, but I try and put the phone away when I'm with the kids. Um, you know, I, I love my, my work. You know, I love teaching, but like, you know, when I'm home, you know, sometimes I have to get on and I have to, you know, I said, okay, for this hour, I'm going to do this, but I try and really just be present, like in the moment with the kids. I try and give them my full attention. Um, they know when I'm distracted, when I'm thinking about something else, if, you know, so I, I just try and really just, just connect with each of them. Like whatever it is that we're doing, if we're playing video games together, whatever it is, just be very present in the moment. And we're like, look how fast, like this pandemic should teach us something. We all had jobs and every one of us like to feel like our job is super important and the world would collapse if, you know, we left our job, our, our company would, but look, we all just stopped working. And in, and there are obviously there are consequences and it's difficult, but I mean, most people, you know, you stopped working and you were home now and it's okay. 
And like, we're spending more time with our kids, you know, because we're homeschooling and we're, we're being forced to almost. But now think about that. Like we could do that on a regular basis. We could come home and just be present with our kids. And I, I just, I would just say that's like, that would be my biggest takeaway, especially now knowing that like, I hope I have, you know, I hope I get to see them grow up and get married and have kids and I get to be a grandpa, but you know, I have this 40% chance of that happening mm. right now. And so I'm really just trying to soak in every moment. And I think we should be doing that anyway. So the good news is there's, there's a 40% chance that you'll make it, that you'll survive this and your mindset is going to play a big role in helping you through. So what are you doing to keep your mindset positive? Well, first off, it's been, you know, with the, with the news and everything. And, you know, I didn't expect any of this and I don't deserve any of it, but you know, it's here. Um, so I've gotten to speak to a lot of people, a lot of great people have reached out and, you know, offered, you know, kind words or shared their stories of, of surviving cancer or surviving something similar. That's all helped. Um, but I try and make the most of my time. So like, I feel good this week. I haven't, you know, I haven't been too tired. So I go outside, I sit in the hammock, I go for a walk. I have an electric scooter. I'll scoot around the neighborhood and just wave to people and stuff like that. Um, I listen, to, I do all the things I enjoy. I listen to music, you know, I, I put up new pictures in the house, you know, replace, you know, some photos with new photos. And um, that's when my kids aren't here. When my kids are here, I just spend all day playing with them and being with them and creating memories and just, just trying to, you know, just do the things that I enjoy doing, um, which also is teaching. So that's why I'm, you know, it's not a sacrifice for me to get on Zoom and do calls with kids because I love it. It's awesome. So that's really helped me stay positive. And also just not you know, I know the reality of it. I know there's a better than, you know, coin flip chance that, you know, it doesn't go well. And I allow myself every now and then to, you know, think about the realities and, you know, help prepare. But I don't spend a whole lot of time on it because I can't control it. I can only control how I experience this moment. And, you know, um, I'm hoping to be able to look back on this in a year or two and be able to say, man, remember, like, you know, my first year teaching, it was a global pandemic. We had to teach from home. I got cancer. It was crazy. You know, like, like I hope it'll be a memory. So, you know, it's, so like I'm trying to experience the moment as best I can now um, and just not dwell on things I can't control. At some point in the, in, you know, in the next couple months, I'm going to, the doctor's going to tell me either I'm in remission or it's spreading and there's not really a whole lot of options. At that point, I'm going to be forced to face one of the two realities. Until then, you know, I prepared myself early on that I know how cancer is. It's going to be good news and it's going to be bad. News. You know, it's you know, it's stage two, not stage three. Oh, no, it's stage four. So I prepared myself not to get too excited or too down when those things happen, and just realize that like until I get remission or it spread, it none of it you know matters too much. None of it should affect my day for more than you know a few moments or a couple hours. So your advice is focus on the things you can control and you can control how you're spending your time right now. You can control what you're thinking about. Um, and that's the takeaway. Now, when we uh, were talking before we put this, the podcast together, I said, Hey, I want to mention the GoFundMe and you're like, well, we really don't have to do that. And I go, well, look, there are going to be people who want to help you. So um, I, I want to make it clear. You didn't do this so that we could raise money through GoFundMe. I'm asking you to mention it because I think people listening are going to want to help. So if somebody does want to help, uh, how can they do that? I appreciate it. Um, it's a uh, GoFundMe. My name Will Losell. I think that's, that's the link. I don't even know the link. It, I could give it to you. Um, my little cousins all set it up for me. 
I wasn't a proponent of it. Um, I kind of pride myself on being self-sufficient. Um, my uncle gave me the advice early on that this is a new thing, cancer. So accept help when people want to do it, let them help. Um, and then, you know, I didn't know I'd be on the news or in people. So, you know, I didn't, you know, so the GoFundMe has done more than I could have imagined. Yeah. I'll admit it's helpful because I'm not going to be getting paid in the summer. I was planning on doing some work with Teach for America, which would have involved traveling to Atlanta, but I won't be able to do that. So, um, you know, and they're, even though I have good health coverage or a significant medical bills. So yeah. I will say that it's, it has definitely helped and I'm, I'm relieved in a way that they did, that I, that they did do it for me. And I'm very grateful yeah. that they did, but well, we'll, we'll share it. Well, I understand. We'll share it on our Facebook page. So if people want Thanks. to support you after listening, they can do that. Will man, God bless you. Um, we will be praying for you. We want you to recover. We'll be praying for your family. Um, I appreciate you taking time out to be on, on our podcast. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for being there for your 117 and your two boys. Um, you, you are a hero and thanks for what you're doing. Keep us posted. We want good news here. So keep us posted so we can keep sharing your story and, um, and all the best. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for reaching out. It was a pleasure to be on and um, and, and just thank you. Thank you for what you're doing and giving dad the place to, to listen and, and share. So it's been it's awesome. Thank you. You got it. Wow. So thankful that Will would come on and share the story. I uh, learned a lot from him. You know, somebody asked me this week if I was spending time or investing time. And as I thought about that and I think about Will, He's investing his time right now. He's investing it in with his boys. He's investing it in with his students. And in this window that we have right now, are you spending it? In other words, just letting it go? Or are you investing it into the things and the relationships that matter most? So we're going to post a link to uh, the GoFundMe. If you want to support Will, you're welcome to do that. We'll post it on our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Positively Dad. Just go find it there. We'll post it if you'd like to support them. And Will, I want to thank you again for being on. I trust you got some value out of the conversation that we had today. If you did, share it with somebody who you think should hear it as well. And, and, and then we don't want you to miss any episodes. So maybe you could rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. We love five stars. We post a ton of stuff on social media too. So if you could check us out there, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search at Positively Dad and you'll find us. And then finally, if you or somebody you know would like to be on the show, just reach out and tell me. Send me an email, james at positivelydad.com. I want to thank you for listening today to Positively Dad. I'm James Shaw. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.